When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In very uncertain times, Red Sox Beat is back on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and visual content even now. This is Josh Lewin. I have taken a baton from Chris Cotillo. And yes, there is still Red Sox Beat, even though there are no actual Red Sox right now. On the program today, or tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, we got nothing but time right now. Uh, we are going to talk to Rob Bradford. You know him very well, I'm sure, from his uh, residency at WEEI. The Bradford Show is a wonderful podcast. It's kind of in the same space, but in, in the spirit of collaboration, uh, I pimp his podcast, and I'm sure at some point he might pimp this one too, because we're good like that. And you know, I was just saying to Rob before we got rolling here, normally I'd have 15, 16 questions, topics written out so we could bandy them back and forth. There's really only one topic right now, Rob, and, and obviously it's COVID-19. And first of all, before we even dive too deep into the Red Sox angle on that, how are you? How are you and your loved ones? You coping okay? Oh, yeah, I'm good, Josh. Thanks for having me first off. And, and also, I hope that everything's good with you and and uh, and you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, podcasts, I mean, I've said this about podcasts. It's like it's not really like sort of radio or TV. I think that podcasts are a community and it's more of especially now more than ever where where this is how we're going to get through this thing. I mean, let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, we, we need entertainment in, in places that we didn't think we need entertainment before. And I think podcasts like this is a perfect example of that. Well, you and I have both gone various shades of berserk just in the last week or so. Uh, for me, it's been starting to put these little 30-second videos together uh, of what I'm calling play-by-play -play of anything at all, where I just take the most mundane things I can think of, like emptying the dishwasher or looking at traffic out my window and doing like a bottom-of-the-ninth play-by-play call. That's been my fun thing to do, just for levity's sake. You, I noticed, were trying to get a ping-pong ball in a cup and I'm guessing that was heavily edited, but it but it looked like you did very well. Yeah, well, it, it's beyond a cup because everything re relates back to toilet paper now, doesn't it? So I was I was sitting around and I said there must be something creative I can do with this roll of toilet paper that, of course, does not does not ruin the toilet paper, which is maybe the most important part of the whole equation. So we were playing ping pong, and so we just uh, I tried to get it in the middle of the toilet paper and. And um, thanks to uh, a lot of time on my hands and, and just enough editing skills, I perfectly placed the ping pong ball right in the middle of the toilet paper. Note to self, I'm thinking competitive wiping might be an interesting <laughs> oh, no. Well, 
you know, we, we have, so I've been, I've been drinking um, one Corona uh, premiere a day and, and sort of, and so now we have sort of this stockpile of, or stockpile, we have six bottles because it's been six days. Right. And so I have these Corona bottles. And so now we, my, my daughter and I, we had a roll of toilet paper and a bunch of Corona bottles and I said, well, there must be something creative we can do with this. So that is, that is the next thing we'll spend 24 hours uh, trying to figure out why we're in our house. Well, necessity is a mother of, of invention or some such, but uh, <laughs> yeah. wish you well in your pursuit. Hey, before we go much deeper here, a, a quick reminder, because in this space, we normally tell you about all the cool things you can be betting on with, with Bet Online, And obviously, there's no NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball right now. You might think there is nothing to bet on. You're wrong, because our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of of sports and events and games to wager on. You can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online. They got the $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol. You can even bet on the weather right now. And actually, for me, I'm coming to you from Solana Beach, California. That that's a That's a bad beat because it's always 67 out here and perfect. But uh, visit the website or use your mobile device. Join today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code CLNS50. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, since I, I just read the number 50 right there, my ADD mind goes right to Mookie Betts because that was, of course, his number. Now he is in L.A., but is he? Uh, I just, you know, this is one of those weird things. It's the what if that, that you and I both kind of dig, Rob. But what if, I, I hope I'm wrong about this, you know, when I say what if there's no baseball season at all in 2020. What if Mookie Betts went to the Dodgers but was never actually a Dodger, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I mean, where does that possibly go? Well, I think it goes, you have to go to the service time argument they're having right now because, you, if you bang out the season and you have no season, it's not like I don't think Mookie Betts' contract automatically runs out. I think you still have to push the service time back, and, and him, you know, the Dodgers still getting a year out of him. But you know, the the question is, is that if you go to half a year, if you go to a portion of the year, what does that mean? And that's where it gets really complicated. And I don't think that a lot of places have answers. And you know, I, it, it, Josh, you and I both want to see baseball as soon as possible. There's no doubt about it. But there is a part of the equation which is sort of tantalizing, which is this sort of sprint of a season. And maybe the sprint of a season is 130 games, and that's the best-case scenario. But, but it's, you know, I remember going way back to, I was thinking about that when they split the year up. What was it, 1981? 81, where they yeah. Had, yeah, I mean, they, they split the year up, so you had two different seasons. And I'm not saying you do that, but it's, there's just so many – scenarios out there but I'm, I'm glad you brought up Mookie Betts because I think he is sort of the guy that we have to look at say what is going to happen here and could the Red Sox actually get off of having getting these three players in the Mookie Betts trade and the Dodgers really getting very little out of Mookie Betts and that remains to be seen so the other piece of news such as it is last time you and I talked we figured that when there's a resumption of play Chris Sale is going to be the, the keynote guy in the rotation. And now 
there is no Chris Sale, not only for 2020, but now you got to start thinking because of the timing of when the Tommy John surgery was announced, what does that mean for 2021? Where are you with the whole Chris Sale thing? Well, there's a lot to that, right? I mean, there's there's the why didn't he have surgery back after the year? They felt comfortable with it. It was, I think it's, to be honest with you, Josh, I think it was one of these hazy things where the doctors probably said, no, you know, every pitcher has something wrong with their elbow. Every pitcher has something wrong with their shoulder. And we think why there is something wrong, you're going to be able to get through it. And if you give him that open window, he's going to jump through, which is exactly what he did. But that probably wasn't the right way to go because it's going to cost him by not doing it then, it's going to cost him half the season. Now, there's other parts of this conversation about, for instance, about the, the contract he signed. And from what I understand, the, the medicals, are, when they did the, the physical for the, for the contract, were pretty decent. I mean, pretty decent in the sense that they hadn't changed and they were confident that he could pitch and it was going to be okay. Now, I think where they messed up is that they said, they, they discounted the fact that the year before he was hurt, he was pitching with a bad shoulder. You hadn't seen him pitch yet in a regular season with that shoulder or making those adjustments. And the other part about it is that, as he told me in London, he was never going to the contract year. He, he was always going to sign with the Red Sox. He liked spring training. He liked being in Fort Myers for those extra two months. He liked being a part of the Red Sox. He thought they were going to win every single year. So they did not read the market right when it came to Chris Sale. And they jumped the gun, I think, in giving him the extension. It's sort of hindsight is 2020 in, in you know, armchair quarterback. But if you add all these things up with the knowledge that they should have had, you probably don't make that extension. Right. That's a very good point. Rob Bradford visiting with us. Catch him on WEEI, of course, and the Brad Foe Show podcast. What is coming up on the next Brad Foe Show podcast? Oh, my goodness. It's the first time we've ever done a podcast where half of it was executed in South Korea. Nice. So, uh, yeah, we, I talked to um, uh, a gentleman who is the research and development of the Latte, I hope I'm saying that right, Giants. Uh, part of the KBO, the professional league in South Korea. And the reason I wanted to talk to him was because, Josh, like I, I think I talked to Eddie Romero, the assistant GM of the Red Sox the other day, and we were talking about these videos that are coming out of South Korea of inter-squad scrimmages and practices. And he said, he's like, it's like the Super Bowl watching these things. Right. It's the what, one place we could get baseball. So I talked to him just about, you know, not only about, you know, what the dynamic is there, uh, but how they really get to the point, because as we know now, South Korea handled the whole coronavirus thing pretty well. And a big part of it, a big part of them being able to get back to this position and having the chance actually to start their season in mid-April was that everyone was getting tested. Like every, everybody who played in that stadium had been tested. So they knew everyone was OK. There hasn't been one person in the entire league who was tested positive for the coronavirus. And they know that, that, that everybody who's in that stadium, and I'm not talking about the fans, but everyone in the stadium is safe. That's why they were able to do what they did. So I got to pimp my own uh, little project here, too. You mentioned going kind of on a deep dive because there is no actual baseball going on here. The Throwback League podcast that I started up, and you were kind enough to help me uh, scrape up a couple. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, it was great. Well, you, when I was looking to put together, I, I got Jim Rice and Louis Tiant 
among others, when I was down there. That was for a game that was just played, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago is this, when this one aired. That would have been the 01 Diamondbacks against the 75 Sox. It was a five seed against a 12 seed. And I won't do a spoiler alert, but uh, Tian was matched against the big unit. So that was a very tough <laughs> matchup for, for the fight in Bernie Carbos, unfortunately. Uh, the 86 Red Sox just played against the 93 Blue Jays. And, and that one, again, without spoiling it, uh, there's going to be some Red Sox representation going forward here. But, but I think you'd appreciate the, um, the, the depth of the project just because of the, the generations that we're talking about. And, and if you're not familiar with it, the Throwback League is basically March Madness for World Series teams from Rob's generation to my generation. I put this from 1974 through 06. That's the spread. And uh, it's 32 World Series winners, 16 at-large teams, so basically World Series losers. We seeded them, uh, played out the, the season, as it were, basically uh, just matched the teams up, ran a computer algorithm, simulated game. And then I just take the results. I can't mess with them, unfortunately. Sometimes I want to go into my home studio, and I, I do the play-by-play, mix in some sound effects, the crack of the bat, the roar of the crowd, and all that. And we try to keep it really... Uh, consistent with what what you'd actually hear. So I've got the actual Fenway organ for the games at Fenway. Uh, you know, they're, they're singing OK Blue Jays up in, in Toronto, you know, when, when the games are up there. So anyway, if you haven't found it yet, uh, it's available wherever you get your uh, your podcast. And it's called the Throwback League. And I, I'm curious, Rob, knowing the parameters now that, that it's all the you know big red machine all the way up through, say, the 98 Yankees to the to the 04 Red Sox. Do you have a thought just off the top of your head on a final four on a champion? I mean, again, this is kind of a one game winner take all. And there are some anomalies here. I mean, there's a sweet 16 matchup that could very well be the 79 Orioles against the 83 Orioles, which would mm. blow my mind if, if that happens. Like, you know, Rick Dempsey could be squatting down <laughs> at a home plate as Rick Dempsey comes up to bat, you know. So but all those World Series teams and, and, and losers uh, as well. You, you got a favorite off the top of your head? Yeah, well, you know, I, I bizarre. So the, my first inclination is to go to my favorite team, and right. that would be a, a team that wouldn't have made it. But it was the '78 Red Sox, you know. So like, so that's my that's my favorite team, and we all know what happened. '75 was I was sort of just before my my viewing uh, era, but Red Sox. The 86 team, like you mentioned, the Red Sox team, that, that was an awesome, awesome team. And, and, and they rolled, but, but they lost. You know, I, I go to, you know, I, I just remember the Oakland teams. The Oakland, some of those Oakland teams, some of those Tony LaRusso Oakland teams of being so, so good. And I'll give you another one. Like, you, if you talk about, and this is, I was nine years old, so maybe I'm, I'm not viewing this clearly, but the 79 Pittsburgh Pirates, that, that team I also fell in love with, the whole we are family thing. I don't know how talented they were, but the, the whole vibe, that, 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 that mentality of getting the whole city behind you and just getting on this run. Again, maybe I'm, I'm looking at this through rose-colored glasses because I, I was looking at it through nine-year-old Robbie Bradford. But, <laughs> right. but, 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 but that's, that's the team I would like to pit against any other team just because the grit and the guile. Well, point of order, interestingly enough, and I'll, I'll do a small spoiler alert, that the 86 Red Sox, uh, and I, I do urge you to still listen to the podcast, but they, they did move on as a 12 seed, and they draw the, the number four seed in that region 
the 79 We Are Family Pirates. So you're oh, going to you're have to pick, you know, your, your Jim Rice era uh, Red Sox and your Roger Clemens era Red Sox against Bill Madlock and Willie Stargell and everybody else. That, that, that is actually coming up. Give up? Can you give up who the number one or a number one seed is? Oh yeah, Can no. Give... At the, there's a yeah. website. It's, it's thethrowback.com. Yeah. So the the one seeds are. I know this won't be super po- uh, super popular, but the '98 Yankees are a one. The yep. '80 Tigers are a one. The oh, 80, yes. '86 Mets are a one, and the '75 Big Red Machine. Th- those are the one seeds. Uh, and I think the best Red Sox seed would have been. No, you know what? I think I, I think the Red Sox only snuck in there as 12s a couple times. I think the 75 Sox and 86 Sox. Oh no, I checked that. Uh, no, never mind. Because the 04 team is in this tourney. So, yeah, you don't. Know, yeah, that I forgot I about this. Yeah, I've got them as a, a three seed. They're a three seed, and they are going to take on the 77 Dodgers who beat the 96 Yankees. That's how that one yeah. goes. One of them, you brought up one, the 84 Tigers. I mean, they were a wagon. I mean, that was, that's, again, that's sort of like, what. and maybe I'm, I'm viewing this differently, but I just remember them just obviously rolling, getting off to that start, just rolling Sparky Anderson. But good stuff, man. Like, I, I, that's, I love that. Oh, it's been fun. It's been, and, and you know, frankly, certainly a, a lot more, um, you know, baseball worthy than th- this ridiculous other side project I've got going now, where all I do is, is you know, basically like try to eat ice cream and do play by play of it. And, <laughs> and somehow that's the stuff that's going viral. Oh, I shouldn't say viral these days. Sorry. But uh, but no, it's, it's still a fun project for sure. L- let me finish up with you, Rob, if you don't mind, just kind of getting back to the socks for a little bit. Uh, and I know you've got to get going because, my God, you, you've got so many ping pong balls to bounce in a toilet paper roll. <laughs> can't even imagine. But you know, one thing that I really have wanted to get to on some of these other uh, versions and editions of this podcast is at what point do we say a proper goodbye to Dustin Pedroia? Because I was with the Mets when David Wright just couldn't play anymore. And that was the, the equivalent to me. Face of the franchise. If you look up their career wars, their career everything's Batting average. Number of plate appearances. I mean, they are so similar in so many ways, these two guys. But I think that the most important way that they're similar is that they're great dudes, total gamers, that just that their bodies betrayed them at the end. And it's very sad and we all know, we, we'd like it to be otherwise, that when we resume with baseball, there's not going to be Dustin Pedroia. And at some point, we've got to call this what it is. You know, you, you got to tap out at some point. So what's appropriate? How does that get handled? It's a good question. And, and it's a great analogy. And, and obviously, they have also have the same agent, the Levinsons. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure that I'm sure that Dustin has talked to David and, and gone through that. And then obviously through the Levinsons as well. Um, but yeah, the whole idea and having gone to his house back in November when he was trying to make this sort of last ditch comeback and they all knew, they all knew if there was any setback at all, that it wasn't going to happen. And there was a setback and it's not going to happen. And it's just trying to sort of ride it out, I guess. And, and you ask like how this is going to shake out. I mean, for the people who say, well, he should just retire. He should just retire. He's a human being with a family that is owed $23 million or right around then. And, and so however they come to that settlement, he earned the right to sign that contract. And I know that people might disagree with me, but he earned the right to sign that contract. And, and it is what it is. 
and he's probably he's not going to play again. And and they just it, it, if they have to just sort of drag this out for another year and they get another a settlement and make an announcement about a retirement, then I don't know. But I don't think they were in, in any sort of rush this spring to a get him to Fort Myers or B, really have a, a planned ceremony in April or May. That's not the vibe that I got at all. And it's an awkward situation. I mean, there's no, there's no way about it. But the one thing I'll say this is that, you know, he obviously has had a ton of injuries, especially throughout the last seven or eight years. But I, I can tell you, having, you know, not, some knowledge about the situation from the doctors and everything else, for him, the hard thing to grasp is that this is about one play. This whole thing is about one play, and that was that Manny Machado slide. And it, was, and he, it, wasn't, it wasn't the pre-existing knee injury. This was about that one slide. And I think that's one thing that's always going to linger with him because if that one slide doesn't happen, then he's riding out the rest of this contract. Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting take on that for sure. Uh, hey, before we, we completely wrap here, I do want to ask you, kind of going back to spring training, which now seems like it was three months ago, to be honest with you. Uh, I was talking with Ian Brown on last week's podcast about who were the guys that you didn't know very well or had never met before that suddenly you're kind of becoming a fan, whether it's a guy from deep in the organization that's starting to make his way up now, you know, one of these 21, 22-year-old kids, somebody that got signed as a free agent, who were who the guys that kind of turned your head when you were down there? Well, first of all, you walked in that clubhouse, and you knew the clubhouse from the year before as well. I mean, it's, before it was a bunch of guys that you knew in Colton Brewer. This right. year it was 29 Colton Brewers. Right. And it was completely different. You really, you really had to get to know a lot of guys. And a lot of guys, obviously, who weren't going to make the team, but still a lot of guys who, who were, were going to make the team or, or were going to make up at least some depth in the organization. You asked that question of who sort of intrigued me. I'll tell you, it was Jonathan Lucroy. And I know, I know that he's been around for a little bit. I hadn't really known him at all. Uh, he got up there that first day, and he railed against the Houston Astros when really everyone else was dancing around it. And he was very honest about, I got to make the team. He was very honest about, you know, his, his whole, what had happened to him the last few years, what he did to correct that and what he had to do to make the team. And most importantly, Josh, like I go in that clubhouse and they need Jonathan Lucro. They needed a guy like him because you had a lot of guys in there who were, who were, I guess you could say leaders in their own way, but they weren't very vocal. They were sort of quiet guys. They had, in their careers, had really been asked to be leaders. He took out a lot of those guys, and whether Pedroia or Porcello or Holt or whoever, and you needed a guy who was going to be like a 2013 guy, a guy who wasn't necessarily going to be counted on to hit 30 home runs, but was going to be counted on to make sure that everybody in that clubhouse did things the right way. And I do feel like sort of Lucroy might be that guy. That's really interesting. And, and because I wasn't there in 04 or 07 or 13, uh, I, I'm curious because you're right. I think with in 13, it seems like there were a whole bunch of guys that could assume that role. There were veterans all over the place in both 04 and 07. But I think to your point, there's a difference between being a veteran and a guy that's got those leadership tendencies, right? I mean, I, I remember you know way back to my time with the Orioles, Cal Ripken Jr. 
is a model citizen, but he's quiet. He, you know, he, he just wants to lead by example and leave him alone. He doesn't want to call a clubhouse meeting. He doesn't want to be the guy that stands at his locker answering questions for 30 minutes after a tough game. Some guys have that in them. Some don't, right? Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'll give you another one. I mean, Jace Veritek, when they slapped a C on his chest um, in the what, 04, 05, it was like, okay, Captain Veritek, that's fine. You know, he, he led in his own way. He led by example, but he wasn't going to be the guy who put the stool in the middle of the room and gave the Rudy speech. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, you, you, you know uh, as well as anyone been around, being around baseball, Leadership in baseball is a little bit different. You need it in different corners of that clubhouse almost all the time. You need it from the pitching staff. You need it from the starters, from the bullpen, from, from a guy who isn't expected to do much. And I go back to, you know, that 07 team. You know, Cora was a perfect example of that. He was a utility guy who was a leader. He was bilingual. You had Lowell, a bilingual guy who was also perceived as a leader. You had a guy in Schilling who was a veteran guy who, who tried to teach the other starters how to do things. You know, you had, you know, all these guys up and down. And 13 was the guys that they got in the offseason. Everyone wasn't excited about these three and one year contracts to Shane Victorino and Mike Napoli and David Ross and Ryan Dempster and all these guys. But they were guys who were going to come in and say, this is how you play baseball and, and while producing just enough. And that's an important quality to have. And I think that's what this team right now is still looking for. So the last one, because you just mentioned Alex Cora, and that to me is still kind of the, the elephant in the room, so to speak, is we don't, as you and I talk anyway, we don't know still after all this. And I know we're delayed by COVID-19 and that's way more important than who banged on a trash can where and, and when. Uh, but the Red Sox have not been told yet, hey, we we think you banged on trash cans. We haven't been told anything yet about what uh, baseball thinks the Red Sox did or did not do. What are you hearing, Rob? When are we finally going to get resolution? What do you think is going to be the upshot of it? You know, the funny thing was is that they were telling everybody who was being interviewed that, that uh, they're saying that the, the, the resolution was going to come the first week of February. And then that was pushed. And then that was pushed. And then, it, you know, and then, then it got a little awkward because the other report, more stuff was coming out about that. So that Major League Baseball probably didn't want to look bad in terms of leaving any stone unturned, even though it wasn't to that ex- what the, the Astros were. And then you obviously had the COVID-19 stuff. So you're not going to drop it in the middle of that. So I think that I don't know, you know, what the plan is. I, I do know this. I know that the players are standing by the fact that they say we didn't do anything wrong. But at the same time, they might say we didn't do anything wrong. But for the Red Sox, all it takes is a little something. Because Major League Baseball can default to we slapped you on the wrist for the Apple Watch thing. We told you if you did anything at all, we're going to come down on you. And they can lean on that. And, and that's what might very well might, might happen. In terms of Cora, you know, this whole narrative of like maybe he'll come back and maybe it'll be one year Renekeel and come back. I just, Josh, I just don't see how they don't punish Cora more than a year based on the Astros thing alone. Because you have Lou now and you have Hinch. And they were both got a year, and they were cla- they were basically painted as guys on the periphery who should have known better. And then in the report, you had Cora all over that thing, and and I can't imagine that Major League Baseball, right or wrong, won't say you're getting more than these guys. And once you get past a year, 
then I don't know how the Red Sox bring him back. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a kind of a sad place to leave it here, but I think you and I both agree. You know, just a, a great guy to not only be the ballast in that clubhouse, but just to talk baseball with. You know, never mind the whole. Right. I mean, just just knows so much and knows everybody and such a great attitude and whatever he did or did not do. Just frankly, as media people, it's going to be a bummer not having him around. Well, and, and, and you, you know, being around the team, I don't know if you agree. Like, even though that first year he was the manager, obviously he was the perfect guy. Right. He was the perfect guy. They win the World Series. He, he goes on an unbelievable role. But even last year, he's still the best manager for this team. That's what people shouldn't lose sight of. He's still the best manager for this team in this city. And, and like you can say, you can roll over with the same coaching staff and Ron Renneke. It's not the same. And that's no black mark on Ron Renneke. It's, he's not Alex Core. Alex Core was brought in there because he was the guy who could go out in the clubhouse. He was the guy who could handle the media in a certain way. He, he was just the right guy at the right time for the right team in the right city. And I think that remains true. Rob Bradford has been our guest. I kept him a little longer than I thought, but he's just such a good interview. And if you want to hear more from Rob and a gentleman from uh, South Korea whose name he forgets or can't pronounce, one of the South two. Sun, oh, man. No, See, I, I, you, I, I know. You don't know. Don't be a hero. It's okay. I mean, there's a guy from South Korea that's very interesting that's on the Bradford show. So Sungmin Kim. That's his that's his name. So you say so there you uh, go. Oh, okay. that's what I say. Rob, stay safe, buddy. And I don't mean to be dismissive when I say that. I mean it. Uh, you know, do what you gotta do to keep all the people in your life safe and happy and and uh, mentally well. And and when all of this uh, hopefully clears, we will have some baseball, have some actual Red Sox stuff to talk about but until then thanks for your work on your podcast i appreciate you coming on this one and we'll we'll talk again soon gosh it's great talking to you and thanks thanks for everything that you're doing and that you've done and that you're going to continue to do and you stay safe and healthy as well he is rob bradford thank you buddy thank you everybody for listening to red Sox beat we'll talk to you in a week bye-bye